Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. I'm here, Ruth, Dr. Ruth Allen, and I'm with the amazing Jeremy Jelp. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I'm really excited because we're going to go on a bit of a journey, I think, today. Uh, and, <laughs> and we have no plan, which is is the theme of, of your new book that's out on the 8th of November without a plan. So we're going to do exactly that on this show. Um, but it. for those that don't know Jeremy, he is the managing director of Delk Enterprises, which has grown from making $6,000 in its first year of business to being a diversified VC fund. Um, and today, more than 20 years later, Delk Enterprises has holdings in biotech and healthcare, consumer brands, technology, building materials and real estate. So super diverse. And you're now focused on investing um, and advising entrepreneurs through your speaking and engagements that you do. And I know that your new book, Without a Plan, um, which shares the good, the bad and the ugly of entrepreneurship, is going to be so super helpful that that is literally out this week <laughs> on yeah. the 8th of November. So I'm super excited to talk about that. Thank you. And before we start, I'd love to know what you're passionate about in life right now. Uh, well, I think the apropos questions right now, I think that's a great, uh, a, a great piece. I mean, for me right now, it's uh, family focused. Um, just took the kids to see, you know, Annie at the theater on Thursday night, have a great time. So just as much I can do to, you know, spend time with the family and engage and just be present there. That's super, uh, super passionate for me. And the other is doing things like this. Um, I historically haven't been a big speaker and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a small circle of friends. Um, I've had social media for a little bit, but I don't really do it. Um, and a friend of mine, a uh, business colleague kind of said to me one time that, you know, Jeremy, you don't value what you know, because you know it. And that really is so simple, but it really hit me. Um, I was like, yeah, because business has gotten easier um, for me the last, you know, five years as opposed to the first 15. And I think, well, I know a lot of that is just because of experience and trial and errors and failures. And that's a big part of what the book, um, I know you read that's, that's about is those failures and those lessons that you learn. So now there's a component of me that I feel a bit of an obligation to go and share that. Right. And I don't, I'm yeah. don't claim to be the smartest guy in the room ever. Um, I know enough to be dangerous about a lot of different sectors and industries, but what I found is business is business is business and, and they do business people do business with people and if i can you know share my story or advice or coaching or anything i can do to help someone out um i think that's a bit of a responsibility and it's a good feeling to to to, to hear that we're like hey that really helped me or man i really got motivated and did something and had this idea for two years and finally started like that's golden like that's worth more than money to me and I know you started it as a business book, but it's very much diversified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very much a therapeutic component of like, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's more personal now than business in there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think, I think it kind of aligns with your passion though, because you finished with your passion in the book, right? Which is all about your family and the importance of family and that connection piece that you mentioned. And you start with family. So I, I'd love, to, before we start with your with your journey that got you to where you are today, I'd love to know what is 
in the context of your journey optimal brain health for you personally because i know you've been on a bit of a roller coaster in that in that space yeah i mean it's 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 a lot right i mean i i've spent um a lot of time and and more money in in therapy i think um and like uh, the first part of it was just a lot of therapy that was just bullshit you're just doing it just to say you did it like oh yeah i took that box i go to the gym go there like but um it wasn't until a few years back um when i really just started to go through because it's it's scary looking in a mirror right it's definitely scary to kind of really go through and analyze it but you know, once you do it and you do go down a rabbit hole because we convince ourselves of so many things as humans, right? We convince ourselves that like, oh, well, like my, as you, you know, read my book, my, my father passed away uh, when I was seven, tragic accident. That's a whole podcast probably of how I associated with that. And for a long part of my adult life, I thought that, yeah, I'm motivated. I'm passionate. I, I, I'm this hard charging guy because I lost my dad and to a degree that I thought I was supposed to be on, on, on that bike, you know, maybe with him, but it was through therapy in mid thirties that it was that as a catalyst, but the real component of what would happen to me and what was my motivation was that instability and fear and like what I saw my mother go through and then subconsciously kind of go through it. So we do a great job as humans of telling ourselves the stories that we feel comfortable with, right? Like when you go through and you meet like, hey, well, this is who I am, this is what I do. And it's it's really getting uncomfortable and, and digging into um, what's going on with you and, and, and why um, and understanding your, your own personal journey. And it's painful, but I promise you, and Lisa, from experience, you know, and you'll read in the book, I've had some experiences, you know, it, once you go through and start to feel it, then it's a, then that's the good part, right? Then, then you understand and you really have true happiness because you know what you're happy with yourself. And if you can get there, you're unstoppable. You, you can do whatever you want to do, but you have to do there. And if you think you're there, if you don't feel like you want to throw up and you're like fucking really uncomfortable with it, you're not there. <laughs> you need to peel back a couple more layers. But that's it. I mean, for, for me, it's, it's, and it's, you can get lost on that path. So for me to answer a long winded question, what is optimal brain health? It's, it's this, a more of a gut check, you know, internal component of questioning myself, like, Hey, what am I doing? Am I doing it for the right reasons? Is this in my core values? This is what I want to do. And this is where I want to be. And, and I think that's, that's optimal for me. Yeah. Do you know, I love that because you just mentioned one of the really important five pillars and that's connection with yourself. And I always think that the connection with ourself is it's the first relationship and the last relationship we'll ever have. It's the one that we have with ourselves. And sometimes we don't pay enough attention to that relationship yeah. and it can be the worst relationship that we ever have too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, you can't move. and then and, and you and you self-medicate, right? Which I was very really good at, right? But from for me, like you you're going through and like you everyone is so, you know, and I think it's society that, you know, struggles with this misconception of failure and failure being a, a bad thing. Um and feeling vulnerable. I struggled really with being vulnerable because I never wanted to be left again. I never, you know, wanted wow. to feel lost. So I never had feelings. I, I wouldn't allow myself to feel it. I could, I mean, I wasn't sociopathic, but I could just really, I wouldn't let myself be connected. 
because yeah. of fear of, of not having that control. But, you know, here's something, this is my therapist. I'll steal this from Valerie Kershaw, my, my therapist. <laughs> and it was fucking really bad, but this is, this is like, if anyone's struggling with vulnerability and what have you, I'll probably get emotional, but this is like, and this is, it's, it's really dark. Um, but it, it is, it light bulb went off for me. She's like, cause I, cause she really kind of understood that, Hey, like me losing my dad was a big thing. Yeah. And, um, she's like, okay, your son, you know, Graham, if you knew and you had a crystal ball that, you know, God forbid something was, was going to happen to him tragically at a, at a future point, And you knew what that future point was. What you're saying is, or what would, do you think you would love him less now until that point to protect yourself? And that's such an easy question. Like, of fucking course not. No, that's what that behavior is, right? If you don't allow yourself to really have your world completely come down and, and that's in a, a marriage, a relationship, a friendship, a partnership, if you are not truly vulnerable, you're really not going to actually feel the entire emotion of that. Yeah. Connection. And that was for me a light bulb of like, wow, now I get, so that needs to be in your, 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 your core, uh, your, your, your core and really ask yourself in that center. like, Hey, is that's, is that what we're doing here? Yeah. And, and, you know, this often comes up with guests on my show is they have a, you know, for you had an adverse childhood experience. You lost your dad when you were seven, which is super hard. And, you know, when, before all the build up to, to, to your, to your dad having the accident on his motorbike, I was having all of these flashbacks with my dad on his motorbike with like three hats on my head and a helmet on <laughs> trying to hold on to his bike yeah. down the street, which I think you were a bit more daring, it was a bit more daring than that. But um, it's often that people kind of have this need to run away from those emotions. Like you say, as you do something, people, and I see it in entrepreneurs quite a lot is, is this desire to do to uh, to do the physical activities to avoid the emotional uh, engagement that is with yourself? Yeah. So people often spend a lot. Very very successful people such as yourself can spend a lot of time focusing on being successful, almost as if um, they're trying to block the emotional content that is part of them. Do you think that's what? happened in your case or yeah i mean I, and this is even indicative still i mean i i think just from my personality but um you know you always had this constant need to be busy I, I would break things in my business just to fucking fix them right i would like just challenge you go through like hey go through and just completely pushing i loved this idea of chaos because i could fix it and i felt value and I, and I had this intrinsic, I'm like, I, well, look what I did. I saved this and going through and it's a lonely place to be. And especially for an entrepreneur, especially if you've an entrepreneur and you've got, you know, I've had hundreds of employees, I've had some bad stuff that are scared the shit out of me. You can't be scared on the outside. Inside, you can be horrified, but outside you've got to be stoic and confident and you have to be all these things. And it feeds this false sense of, purpose and who you are that isn't emotional right i mean it makes you feel good and builds your ego and you get those things but it and you justify it. and that's why you always have to go to another level another level another level and that's when i think you know i, I had that a little bit of that epiphany you know 
back, you know, some years ago of like, why am I really doing this? Right. Cause I can assure you from being around a couple, you know, very successful wealthy, there's always another level. You, you, you make a billion. There's a guy that's got three. I mean, there, there is always another level. And if you were just chasing something to chase it for that, you will never get there. And it's going to be a lonely existence as opposed to the alternative. And, and time is, you know, not on our side, man. Like it goes, this life goes by so quick and you only get one chance at it. So many people, I think, discover this purpose and what's important far, far too late when they've lost, you know, loved ones or when, you know, they've lost relationships or, you know, they, they've just, you, you wait to have that, that clarity so, yeah. so much, so much later in life. And it's, it's a shame. And I think that's hopefully what my story can kind of go through is that just figure out what it is. And if an and entrepreneur, and I, I try to make this into a emotional session, everyone's going to fucking get tissues out and like, you know, stop doing life. I mean, I've got, I've got get, a code. Like. <laughs> to entrepreneurship. I mean, just get going, right? I mean, that's, that's a big part. Like, you know, the, the subtitle of the book is, you know, uh, a memoir of unbound action and failing my way to success. What got me there? is the action period yeah. right and, yeah. and i think I, I did a i hopefully did a decent job of doing it through my colorful language is i also offset that language with high tech you know high science things that i mastered as a ceo of some of these businesses because i had to but i didn't have it all done beforehand right i i yeah. learned learned as i went and 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 took that information on and that was so important and that was not a that wasn't a hindrance or something that was a bad thing. It actually altered out to be a much better thing because if I would have had it all figured out and had a plan, it would have been the wrong plan. Yeah. And I would have stopped way too early to where I end up, ended up. I, I love that. And I, I just, you know, we connected through Steve Sims, who, yeah. who's, who, who always goes for stupid, with his, which is his new book out too. And I know that, you know, you, this this thought that you just go do <laughs> with, with no plan, which you did when you were 18. I'd love if you could just share a little bit of the start of your journey of being that entrepreneur that well, one could say you, 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 you were doing Steve Sims go for stupid and yeah. just pushing the envelope. Well, I'm a, I'm a German English kid, which I didn't even know that because like in, in Kentucky where I'm from. Um, you don't really know lineage or heritage because like you're a mutt, right? It's not like you're even New York, you're first generation Italian, whatever. So um, I always knew that you know, Sinatra, who's I'm a big Sinatra fan. I always, you know, that whole adage, if you can make it, uh, make it there, you can make it anywhere talking about New York. So um, the only thing I had to know about New York was really movies. Um, so, and then in those movies, you were either in the mafia or on wall street. I don't think I had the pedigree to be in the mafia. So I guess Wall Street was my, uh, my second thing. So I had a, a $30,000 inheritance and I knew I was going to get that. And I'm like, wow, I want to, you know, do something with this. Like, this is an opportunity, not, you know, how do I make a bad this situation with my dad passing? Like, how can I maximize this? So at 16, 17, I started reading Investor Business Daily, Wall Street Journal, completely self-taught. My mom, God love her. Uh, has always been supportive. All my stupid brainiac, you know, crazy ideas, and just let me go and fail. Um, but it has worked out, um, despite her just 
caution and shaking her head sometimes. So she uh, gave me access to be able to trade my account um, at 17 under hers. And this was like early, this is 2000, no, 2000, this is 97. So very yeah. early advent of online trading and uh, started, you know, understanding the market, well, understanding the market, thinking about reading and trades and understanding a little bit of the ins and outs. I was looking at message boards online and I cash out my Qualc or my JD, or excuse me, my Disney stock and 20th Century Ultra um, funds and started day trading Qualcomm and JDS Uniphase. And um, yeah, it was just small little iterative things. I, you know, make a trade made a thousand dollars, like a thousand dollars in the late nineties for a college student. It's like a billion, right? I'm like, yeah. wow. And you can make two grand, three grand. And then my first little aha, I'm a genius, you know, Berkshire Hathaway, you know, Warren Buffett kind of guy was in uh, an econ class where this professor is talking. I'm now trading on a Palm Pilot um, internet, uh, like a wireless, you know, Palm Pilot that had AT&T coverage, I think at the time, which was like, Star Trek. And I was day trading and I'd made like $30,000 in class. And I'm thinking like, I don't know what his salary was, 50 grand, but I'm just, I've, I've just made a huge chunk of your salary in class. <laughs> what could I learn from you? Um, which was nothing because I'm a, you know, 18 year old know-it-all. And I grew that $30,000 into about, you know, 2 million bucks uh, and change. And uh, in what time period did you manage to do that? Just to contextualize it for people who, who I was are listening. 19. I was 19 and I was making so much money. I'd, I'd, I'd moved out my, so my freshman year I was building up. I bought a condo, like a beautiful, you know, one bedroom condo bachelor pad, bought a grand Cherokee. Um, I had a fake ID, but I didn't have to use it because they just, I was spending so much money in bars, just, you know, buying out the shops for everyone and just having a great time. And so, so that was 1999. Um, and yeah, so 18 months, two years, uh, I, I, I grew it. So that's impressive. And what's more impressive, um, is that I managed to lose all of it in four days. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that was some, that was, with a stock uh, market crash. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the early two thousands. So, uh, but you didn't rest on your laurels though, did you? Because you know, you, you, you picked yourself up again. People noted that you'd been incredibly successful albeit lost it all but nevertheless you were incredibly successful in that in that very short period of time and that earned you a place in the in the city in New York City yeah well, with a lot that, of hard work to get there of course because it doesn't exactly. just land on your lap but exactly but night but no no direction like as I said I literally I wanted to end up in New York and I was in school in in, uh, in Rhode Island and I was, I felt sorry for myself and I could only do that for a few days. Cause I saw I'd make bills. Like my, my mother would give me the sheriff her back, but didn't have one to give me. So I had no safety net and I still had bills. So I had to go out and, and earn it. And I did all kinds of odd jobs. I think that's why I think you just, there's no, there's a universe, higher power, whatever your faith system is. Like you have to understand that you just got to go and take action. Just go out and do it. I can guarantee you me sitting on the couch and feeling bad for myself for five days or six days, it's not going to like, once you do that, that's a process. Cool. But you have to understand that it's not going to be anything of productivity, like cool yeah. wine cry, but get over it and get over it fucking quickly. And then just put yourself back out there because to your point, yeah. After four odd jobs that, that you'll, you'll learn about in the book. I ended up getting a job and becoming the youngest um, broker at fidelity investments and then moved to Boston and then New York. No way did I have any of that fucking shit figured out. Or how I was going to get there. But I ended up in that dream job, which I quit, you know, a year later. 
and uh, went out on my own. But but yeah, it just you just have to take action to go through in that forward motion in business. Uh, you never know if it's a startup or you're in business for five years. You know, the longer you're in business and the longer you're moving in your entrepreneurial journey, the more you're, you're harder to kill, right? And most things that fail are internal, not external, right? Yeah. You've failed mainly because you've quit. Yeah. Fall down, get yourself back up. You haven't failed, right? But that's the killer of deals. Not getting started is the biggest one. And the second is this, you know, and because you're not getting started because you're scared of what people are going to say if you fail. What if this? It doesn't fucking matter. What anyone yeah. says, you, you just got to be happy and just go. And what, what if it does? What, what if you did fail? Cool. Go home with your mom. I mean, you, you, you learn a lot of lessons on the way and you pick yourself up and you go and do something. You're, more, you're, you're harder to kill. You're more powerful. You understand. You've had experiences as opposed to like sitting on the sidelines. You just got to get out there. Yeah. What was the hardest piece of failure that uh, for you on your journey? What was the hardest bit to pick yourself back up from? Um, I mean, that one was pretty hard. Losing all that money was really hard. Um yeah, that was really, and I think it was hard for me because it was my dad's money, too. Oh. Yeah, I think I think that that was why it's really. So I was like, it was like I, if I lost and I've lost my money. I mean, I, I I'm aggressive as hell as from uh, from business standpoint, but I don't care. It's just money because I can make more. I've, I've I've done it enough, so I'll just throw out there. But the fact that it wasn't my money, it was probably harder for me. Yeah, so I noticed it choked you up a bit when you said that out loud as well. Yeah, so I think. Yeah, I think that and like that was a, a failure component. Like, oh my God, I did this and like, you know, I squandered it or whatever. And and then I just, you know, I, I was fearful, felt bad for myself and, and whatever. So that was probably the hardest. I, I think that was to answer your question. That was probably the hardest, the hardest failure for me. Uh-huh. But retrospectively, you know, five, 10, 20 years later, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Ever. It was the best $2 million. I would fucking, I'd lose 20. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because I was a young cocky idiot that didn't know anything that, that thank God it happened to me at, at 20. Um, and not at 40 when I had kids in private school and all this other shit that you have, you know, so that you had actually real responsibility. So I think that was, that was it. Um, what you would think is, you know, and I won't skip around some of the, the other pieces, but, you know, walking away from, you know, half a billion dollars, like you think that would be it, but it was a two million. It was that, that's what it was. I, I'd love to dive into the half a billion dollar <laughs> walk away because, you know, some you actually went into selling a business, didn't you? If you just want to explain the story, a, a much lower price. <laughs> much lower, the yeah. That came off the table. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so this was, um, you know, l- later in my career, um, I'd been in healthcare, uh, a couple of different businesses and, and had some successful exits and this was in You're a compact window, window salesman as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't forget the building materials and real estate development, but that was just uh, <laughs> a little, little, little hop over. But so this business was something that I had my own healthcare journey, um, and transformation, which, uh, really opened my eyes up because I didn't, I mean, I know you're, you're a doctor as well, but I didn't put much cloud in doctors because I seen how it was. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to go to the doctor unless I was like deathly ill. Um, I mean, I didn't have a first um, surgery until like a year ago when I tore bicep being stupid, but um, I just didn't have a lot of faith in the system, but I was super unhealthy. So 
uh, long story short, we started this pharmacy business with a, a partner of mine and I, the medications that we were doing, a lot of them were integrative health, functional medicine. And Which is still new, you know, this is yeah. still a new. Oh, yeah. new so it's, so hard, I mean, it's, it's more and more, it's getting more and more mainstream. I think that's what is exciting it, that with knowledge becomes, there is power there. But I mean, I lost 70 pounds in a few months and I'm still in decent shape and, and work out, um, you know, often and on a retro with, with a trainer. And um, I was really excited to, to make this mainstream and have made several investments past that um, to do so. And we scaled that company from zero to a couple hundred employees, um, 50 something million in revenue. Um, and we were making a lot of money along the way so much. So like, you know, I've got billionaire friends, I got two billionaire friends, I guess not multiple, but I've got enough that I've seen a lot. Right. And, um, I wasn't living too terribly different than they were. Like I was chartering my plane, they owned theirs and, you know, we're staying in different places, but you know, I wasn't happy for a big chunk of that until I, I, I changed some things in my life. But I was content and we'd always gotten people coming to us and, and making, uh, making offers. So we were never positioned to sell. So I think that's lesson one before the story is don't get into a business to sell it. Yeah. If it, if it's, it should, it should be something you love and you can make money at it, but it should be something you're p passionate about or care about and want to make a difference. And you're so obsessed about that. You, you just, if you, if, if your customers don't get this, you failed, that's the obsession you need. Don't get like, oh, well, this business and this market trades at 12x, you know, EBIT. Like, that's stupid. Don't do that. Um, and we just had our head down and we grew to an Inc. 500, uh, 24th fastest growing company, fourth fastest growing company in healthcare. We are head down and just really, really driving um, customer focused, good products and some innovation. We made a lot of mistakes and, and probably didn't pay what well, it didn't probably didn't, you know, always tick every box uh, from a regulatory standpoint, but we would always get solicitation like, Hey, you need investment, you need investment. You know, we we're making, you know, gross a couple million dollars a month and it was me and a partner. Right. I mean, it's hard to spend that much money. I fucking tried, but it's hard to spend that much money. I just and want to pause you there because you glossed over some really important stuff. And I'm not going to say what it is, but you've got to read Jeremy's book to find out all of the ins and outs of what of what happened oh. with the company that you had to work through that oh, you yeah. didn't well, I mean, so, to happen. Yeah, well, I think, you know, this is and this is maybe this karmic shift um, that, that that I talk about. Um, it's, it's on the excerpt of the back of the book that kind of hopefully teases you through. Um, I'll, here, I'll do that. I'll just, here's a teaser. So the difference between 600 million and a billion is immaterial. Uh, you cannot spend it. The offer on the table was 600 million. I had a choice. I could sell my company or I could build a billion dollar company. That's rare air. Suddenly my thumbs flying across my phone, typing an email. At this time, we have decided to pause our discussions, dot, 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 sent. The office went quiet. Until a minute or so later, uh, Ryan uh, said, well done, you killed it. He meant killed it as in a slam dunk success. I said, what do you mean killed it? I just called the deal off. No, nah, it's done, Ryan said, expecting him to come back to us in the summer with an even bigger offer. Uh, whether he was right uh, didn't matter to me. Regardless of how you use the word, I just killed a $600 million deal, and I felt great. I knew I wasn't invincible, but I was starting to feel that way. Um, similar to the 18-year-old kid, right? Um, <laughs> And just like uh, and just like in college, 
That feeling of in- invincibility was quickly followed by a karmic bitch slap heard around the world. Five days later, after walking away for more than a half a billion dollars on the table, 20 federal agents raided our offices. Dun, dun, dun. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and we ended up selling it for a lot less than $600, billion, or $600 million. But I've been asked a hundred times, Steve, whatever, I would do it every day again. I, 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 I would turn it down. A, the deal would have probably kicked anyway um, with, you know, the, the, the terms and the clauses. But, you know, for me, I was making so much money. The, the deal was structured where they were going to give me 40 million uh, or 50 million, 40 million in cash for 10%, which is basically a deposit and then an option to buy me out at 600 million uh, a year later. And we were on a rocket ship and I know this sounds very egotistical, but I literally said to myself, fuck your 40 million. Like I, fuck, I can make that in, in 18 months and then you'll pay me a billion. And that's, that was my mindset. And I still fucking live by that and whatever. Um, <laughs> but cause I, I thought that was my chance to, to, to build a billion dollar business. And to me, that would have been a really cool milestone, a uh, small town, a uh, small town kid from Kentucky. And, and again, it wasn't going to change the way I was living because we were already making really good income. Um, yeah. So I, I would do it over again. Uh, the exact same. Well, I, I would have turned the deal down. I, I would have done a lot of different things regulatory wise. So, um, but you had a bit of a desert storm moment as well, didn't you? <laughs> Not oh. in the context that people are aware of, but oh. you took the desert by storm, shall we say? I did. That was a that's a that's a good one. You may you may go through that story. Yeah, I'd love you to share it because this is kind of like me. Some <laughs> of the parts of the book I mean this was just yeah. like out of this world experience but other parts just I felt like I was in um hangover yeah <laughs> right I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing but it makes for a good story for sure um so yeah we, this was in our healthcare our animal healthcare business and we were uh we started this regenerative medicine company to help uh you know dogs horses cats with osteoarthritis they're using stem cells like the body's own repair system uh in those ages so I was at the Derby um, and had some vet friends in. My partner rang me up. He's like, oh, mate, you uh, Australian, oh, mate, are you ready to go to the land of sand, JD? I'm like, drinking. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And uh, he's like, we got the call. Um, Sheikh Hamdan, uh, who's the crown prince, uh, wants to, no, this, I think it was, uh, that was, uh, first it was Sheikh Khalifa. Fast forward, went to Abu Dhabi, did some stuff. We were over there. And uh, to meet Sheikh, Sheikh Hamdan, and we uh, got blown off for several days. And on the sixth day, we're like, dude, we appreciate the free hotels and 30,000 hour airline tickets, but like, we're serious people here. What are we going to do? And if you've ever been to Dubai, we were staying at Emirates Towers right on Sheikh Zayed Road. And so here's uh, Emirates Towers, and here is the Beale Palace. So uh-huh. it's like, you know, similar to Buckingham Palace, right? Where, yeah. um, Row family is so it's just a quick you know jump across five minutes max seven with traffic and uh we go and get in this uh well a fleet of white lexus suvs um four of them uh for four of us we turned down two and took two and we just started driving and driving and driving and like I started looking in the background and that's the cover of the book actually, which is pretty cool. That's, this is Dubai. And that's, this, this is basically fucking me out here. Like, Oh shit. What's happening. Like, is this a one way thing? And then you talk about movies. Like, like have you seen casino, right. With, um, yeah. actually in De Niro, like, that's what I thought. Like, this is, is this a one way trip? And, uh, 
like what have we done to piss off somebody and i started singing uh sinatra and i won't do it because my voice is horrible but the end is near I was like, just like laughing like you know fucking this is how it was and we uh were pleasantly surprised came across the probably one of the most you know still the most beautiful stables i've ever seen in my life it was uh, sheikh muhammad bin rashid al maktoum's private stables and the down and we're meant to get 15 minutes with him um and spent about an hour uh wow. just under an hour and yeah, it was it was a surreal, just a great. I mean, it was such a cool cool experience to to meet a man like that with the visionary and what he's done for the horse industry. Camels, he's a huge animal lover, and just for he built a city out of out of sand, and uh, it's it's a global. They just had World Twenty Twenty there, um, and or Expo Twenty Twenty, which is which is amazing. So it's yeah, it was it was a cool uh, a cool experience. Wow, I mean it's it's such a beautiful place to buy anyway but to to be able to have that impact with you know the figurehead yeah of the country and who who like you say is so passionate about the equine industry and and animals in general and to be able to uh, have that inroad is is just amazing before we dive into the rest of your story i know we started off with this sort of emotional shutdown for you um given that um, you lost your dad when you were super young. Um, so I'd love to dive into the fun facts, which is looking at the five pillars of brain health, where F is for feelings, A is for actions, C is for connections, T is for thoughts, and S is for surroundings. And we're going to dive into feelings, given we talked about that initially. What's the funniest or most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me? Um, hmm. I'm not often, uh, often ever, uh, ever stumped. Um, embarrassing. I mean, I think the, I would say, okay, the, the feeling, I think the embarrassing thing, the, the biggest thing that's ever happened to me was obviously the, 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 the spoiler on this, um, turned out $600 million in this FBI deal. Um, I mean, I think, I was able to build, you know, a pretty, I think my, 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 my history and, and, and trouble with law enforcement was speeding tickets in my Ferrari, um, up until that point. And, you know, that changed with, you know, having, you know, regulatory actions. And yeah. I, I took, I took a charge for, um, uh, under the FD food, drug and cosmetic act. So that probably was the, the biggest embarrassing component to me. Um, and just not being able to, to say something and we were wrong. So I don't want there to be anything like I'm not some fucking victim and like, Oh, I was a bad deal. Like we, we did things, thank God we didn't hurt anybody and we were very safe and you know, we were, well, we didn't hurt anyone. There was no impact from that standpoint, from a victim perspective, but you know, we, we went fast and hard and, and definitely did not tick all the box that we needed to do from a regulatory standpoint. So I, I take full responsibility for that, but. And very grateful that, you know, I, I, I could have had a, a worse outcome, I, I, I'm sure. But I think that was the biggest thing, that it was more of a stain on my legacy, I think, um, mm-hmm. from, from embarrassment. And I think that's a big part of why I wrote the book. Um, hopefully, you know, more than my mom buys the book um, and someone gets out of it. From, but I really wrote it for, for, for as to it's dedicated to, to my wife and to, to, to the kids. And, 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 and it's very much not a glorification of my life. I, I mean, literally, I think it, it makes for a good story. But, um, you know, I 
I don't think anyone can call me disingenuous or think I've held, held anything back. I mean, I put myself out there um, where my biggest enemy wouldn't have any dirt on me. Like I threw it all out there. And I did yeah. that because if you're not comfortable with yourself, you're, you know, it's what, who you're comfortable with. Right. And, and you're not, not real. So that, that's probably the biggest embarrassment that's ever happened to me. And that's something I'm ashamed. I'm not, I'm not proud of it. Right. Cause I think yeah. what I, what I could have went on to do and, and still will, I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm still building businesses. I'm still helping them to new things, but that was, that was tough. And then I think you go through and like, wait, I can't be some fraud of talking about success and overcoming adversity, other stuff. I'm just going to fucking crawl in a hole. So what do you do? You go through. And, you know, that was, you know, a few years ago and I've, you know, we've got to, you know, we're, we're doing well and we're making big businesses and making, you know, big impacts and, and we're, we're excited. So I think that's proof to the story longer term. And I think that'll be, yeah. you know, book two lesson two for folks to say, Hey, you can, every, you know, everyone, Steve says this, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the fucking face by Tyson. Right. That's a right hook by Tyson what I took, but I'm still here. And I think that's encouragement that whatever thing you've went through as an entrepreneur that, wow, that really sucked. It'll make you stronger, man. It really will. And your dad had a bit of a a, a rumble with the law himself, didn't he? Um, yeah. And it actually made you know you mentioned in the book it actually made him stronger and and seemed to make him closer to your mom. Yeah, I mean, I think that was that aha moment for for I think him that kind of you know converted him and kind of maybe you know you know calmed him down a bit, right? Because I think when my mom, you know, I think is in the book, you know, my mom was fifteen, he was seventeen when they first met and 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 love married and and straight away. But, you know, he's still a kid. Both of them were still kids. Um, she waited until she was 21 until she had me. But, yeah, I mean, you need that. And that was a huge part of perspective. I'd already done a lot of healing therapy and trying to figure out what was um, what was important to me prior to this, um, this uh, FBI thing. But that was the biggest perspective. Like, money is one thing. You can make more of that. But, like – threat you know being away from your kids potentially and that, that that's yeah. that's sobering and that's really puts into perspective of like hey this is this is you know a real big gut check moment for you man yeah thank you for sharing that because it's obviously was a really difficult time for you and you know you had kids at the time as well and it was a real ro- roller coaster so I just encourage people to read that and how you how you got yeah. through that just going on to actions, because we also talked about this. What's the most rewarding or fulfilling thing you have ever done? And you've done a lot of stuff. Uh, the most fulfilling, I think, is, you know, the actions of just being present with with the kids. I think that's yeah. that's really it. I, um, you know, uh, we have, we're a two-family household now, um, and I am a zillion percent and anyone that's been around me and my kids and, you know, you know, while I was, you know, full time and now I, I have unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, 50, 50 custody. So I, don't, I have a solo 50, 50. Um, I'm, I'm running to school, picked them up. I'm doing drop off. I was a hundred percent. I'm a hundred percent more present with the action of the kids and me taking, you know, last weekend, it was a four o'clock football to a six o'clock lacrosse game to a seven o'clock lacrosse game to a 6am go-karting session all day. <laughs> to a Sunday three o'clock football game. And I was happy, right? I'm, I'm happy to do that and be there and be present and stuff. So that action and that dividend is priceless. What was the catalyst for that? Because obviously you had a, quite a shift, didn't you? It, what was the catalyst to know that you needed to spend more time with your kids? Was it COVID? 
Was it the change in the relationship? Was it was it the uh, FBI experience? What really catalyzed you into making that shift? Um, I, I, I think maybe to a degree that that fear, but that lodged in and stuff. The degree of it, it was not having them. It's what you take. It's like anything, right? Like you take it for granted, right? Yeah. You take it for granted, like the people that we love and that the people that we have in our lives. And you, st- you don't call, you don't check in, you don't go through that. And that's, that was for me, my kids were always there. So me working late, 7.30, you know, fine. Oh, the kids are in bed. I miss them, whatever. I'll see them tomorrow. I don't have dinner meetings when I have my kids. I do, I, they, I, so you just make it a priority because I now don't have that control because I only have them certain amount of time. So I think that was a catalyst of like, you're there. Our weekends, like, you know, and then we've got you know, obviously friends that, um, yeah. having a divorce and they have friends like, what are you doing? Like, no, we, and they know that they, 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 all of our friends know our, our schedules that, you know, we've got, we're, we're, we're blessed and have some resources and have nannies and we have all that stuff, but that's not what it's for. Like I, I have extra hands, but we are there, right. I'm there picking yeah. up, I'm doing those things. So I think it's, you, you, you forget about that. So I think it's the having, not having it and, and, and realizing that, wow, you took something for granted. Um, here's your opportunity to, to, to do better and, and maximize that. Someone said with kids, you know, uh, and, and it's you get 14 or 15 summers. That's all you get. First couple, they don't remember 18. They don't want to be with you anyway. Right. So you only have those, those 14 summers uh, to really enjoy. And that goes fucking really quick, man. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I mean, I've got a daughter, Lily, who's three and a half and she doesn't want to be with us on some weekends because she wants to go to her auntie. Place. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> says mommy and daddy you can go away you go away and do your own thing I want to I want to have a play date with Auntie Claire so yeah it does go super fast even at three and a half so I do really get that and I you know what would what would you what would you do differently is there anything you would have done differently in the context of that time because we know we can't win back time you can just make um, better use of it. Is there anything, you know, reflecting back that you or advice you would give to entrepreneurs who just kind of burning the candle at both ends and missing missing out on that time? Yeah. I mean, I, I told myself um, when I was 20, um, when I left Fidelity, making a bunch of money and doing really well, that I the story I told myself is I want to go be in business because I never want to be controlled and miss a, a soccer game or a football game or whatever. I think that was a lie to, from the 20 year old. I think the guy that just wanted to be really rich, but I think I justified that as my, as my motivation and um, it wasn't true. And then I, I later justified like, Oh, well I'm busy, but you know, Graham's so young, he's not missing anything, which now like the, the years I wasn't as present on Graham, I was present with Ava Um and it's like, fuck. I mean, she's a girl, so it's daughter. I mean, you get that father-daughter connection, which is a whole other element. But <laughs> it goes back to why you're doing it. And, and even if you're an entrepreneur that doesn't have kids or family, whatever, like, and, and maybe you, you don't, and you just, you're passionate about, you know, the environment or animals or whatever it is that is, fills your bucket up, right? And that makes you excited and passionate. Make sure that's what you're doing. There's a phenomenal book by a guy I'm acquaintance with, uh, down from Necker Island, um, named, um, what's his name? I've just lost, uh, 
um, Perkins, Bill, um, Bill Perkins. It's called Die with Zero. It's the it's the simplest, quickest, easiest read, and it's the fucking most profound thing ever. And we've had several conversations um, about you know what is if you want to give money to your kids, um, don't wait until you die. You know, give them to you when they're twenty five because that's because they really need it. If you want to give money to charity, um, when you die, give it to them now because your charity can use it. So it's just this adage of like. You know, it's somewhat not dissimilar, but he's with money. Take it action now. If you want to go to, you want to take the trip, take the trip now. You want to go and, you know, marry love your life, go and do that now. You want to go and make the hire, start the business, buy the company, expand the product line, fucking do it now because none of us are promised tomorrow. Yeah. And a lot of people have tomorrow syndrome, don't they? I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Never happens. Tomorrow never comes. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'd love to go into, um, connection to yourself because we also started with connection to yourself and how you kind of um were avoiding that emotional connection with you what's mm. the most important value that guides you in life the, the i mean the value i mean i think the, the biggest thing that happened from the connection is the thing i i talked about with that realization of would you not love your son if you if you knew to protect yourself and it's so simple but it was you know it was profound enough for me that, you know, and then, then, because that would cheapen the love, right? Because if you, if you're really holding back, then you don't have that unconditional love yeah. because for, for, especially with a, a, a partner, a spouse, even business or, you know, to a degree, but a friend, you often don't get that, but kids it's, it's unconditional. You, you don't question it. So that's why it was important. Like, wow, of course not. I would never love me. You would never do that. And then she echoed it back with, well, then you don't really ever true experience that true vulnerability. You don't experience a full level of love and connection. So it's getting comfortable with being vulnerable and it's getting comfortable with, you know, being hurt. Because that's part of it. It's yin and yang. It's both sides of the, uh, of, 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 of the emotion spectrum, right? So um, it's hard and, and it's not easy. And I'm going to skip to your thoughts maybe um, because – I say this and, you know, I even talked about you know, some of my beliefs and even like, you know, universe energy and all those things. I'm pretty good at it. I don't react to bad shit most of the time. Even the FBI, I think, I think I pulled myself out of it emotionally, but I fucking grabbed down like, Jesus, the world's ending, the sky's falling. Those negative thoughts, besides being complete poison, have zero productivity, fucking none. So like, and your thoughts have impact i assure you your thoughts energy is energy it has power it, i'm telling you that negative stuff you have negative people in your life i don't believe in cutting people out but fucking limit them right you, <laughs> if you, if you just you can you can hit next you can hit you don't have to always take the damn call right put them on a fucking weekly cycle don't cut them out that's just not good but because they could be family or <laughs> No, it, it, it could be anyone, but like just limit it. But you know what happened? I, 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 I can't exactly divulge this. It's not me, but someone close to me that, that I know is implemented this. And it's been a better engagement because the person or persons that may be, you know, um, negative or, or whatever that, that, you know, that emotion that you don't want, they now feel scarcity of like, well, if I call Dr. Ruth, she's always answered, so I'm just gonna fucking go through. But if now, if I only get Dr. Ruth like every fifth call, I'm actually gonna just try and talk to her about 
some shit that matters. It's as important. So you actually have a better relationship and it's better for both sides, but yeah, your thoughts are power, man. And you just have to go through and you're feeling bad for yourself. Who gives a fuck, man? Just who cares? Like, <laughs> no one cares. I promise you. No one cares. Get over it. It's, yeah. not, everyone has problems. Yeah. I, and you know, I agree. You know, we, we pay too much attention to the negative self-talk and we don't even realize it's rumbling in the background of our minds. And it eats you up. But not only that is we'll play back the, you know, you mentioned the people, the people you connect with is you can have energy vampires. In your no, and they suck it. Like, suck yeah, it. Like, they latch on. They latch on. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, you have to like, you have to extract yourself to reboot yourself back right. to some normality of who you are. Exactly. And it, it's so important that you find, I mean, I like to call it like your growth friends is to find that network of people who are always going to push you to be that, to be at that next level or always going to give you more is going to be more and help you be the next level in life. And you, you know, you mentioned that you were always hungry for more, yeah. more success, more, uh, more happiness, more money, more. And, and you've got to support, surround yourself with people that push you to that next level uh, and if you don't you're going to be stuck or or you're going to be you know people will suck life out of you and you'll diminish yourself yeah a hundred percent and i think that you also you know every ask anyone like ask your grandparents right last 20 years who's been your friends i guarantee you it's five or less yeah. Um, and it's not just because people have passed away or whatever, but like, that's really where we have the relationships. Like, you know, I think, you know, our, our, my kid's school just had this whole thing with social dilemma, right? That's a Netflix documentary and whatever. And this whole thing with social media, which is why I, I have to be on it, I guess, but I, I, I I'm, I'm not, I don't ever want to be some influencer person, but I, you, you do have to kind of do it in this, in this day and age, but be selective. But we, not everyone needs to be your fucking friend and not everyone needs to like you. It's, it's okay. And like, you know, there's, there's, I don't know if you've been seeing this on Instagram or it's ads, but it's, it's a bit sobering, but like, you know, do you know what happens? Um, this is, you know, a bridge, but do you know what happens after you die? Right. Um, about three or four hours after you die, people are going to stop crying. Um, five hours later, your family's going to start to feed people. Then they're going to start telling Joe. And it's like, basically, they're going to, it just, it, it complains how quickly you can be, you know, forgotten versus remembered. Mm -hmm. So why do we spend so much of our lives giving a fuck what someone thinks about us? Right. Why? And I'm not saying that's to be a bad person, be you, be, be, be the best you. And you have to be authentic with yourself. You got to be okay with it. And if you're a if you're a bad person, then you need to not be okay with that and try and get better. But do that for you. Get better for yeah. you. And then just be comfortable with yourself. And then you will find you'll have a deeper relationship with your wife, your husband, your friends, the ones that are real and the ones that aren't, who fucking cares? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? You don't need them. And what's next for you personally? You know, because you're always getting itchy feet. You're always wanting to to do something different, to push the push the envelope, to go for stupid. 
Yeah, I want to just kind of, you know, just help continue to tell my story. And, you know, I, I love kind of helping entrepreneurs, coaching entrepreneurs. I, I invest in a lot of businesses. So a lot of my coaching clients end up becoming like investments that, I, that, that I'll make in, uh, in businesses that I'm interested in. I like to just meet new people. Um, I like to learn. I think that's the part, part of me that's always, and you, I think you, I, I hope you would have got this from the, the book, you know, all the businesses, there's no direct correlation between, you know, stocks, windows to epigenetics, period. There's not, <laughs> but I made them right. I, I got there and it's just this overwhelming ur- desire and, and, and urge to want to learn more. I think that's really where it all kind of stems from and be curious so I'm having a blast with this. I mean, I'm having a blast on my story. I mean, I love perspective. I love, you know, some people, I mean, everyone's gonna have opinions about, about my book and I'm, I'm, I welcome them. And I think there's something in there for everyone. Um, and you're a hard charging CEO, hard charging entrepreneur. Thank you about going out into business, you know, stay at home, whomever. I think there's something for someone to take away. And if I can help touch one person, that's, that's a success for me. So I'm having fun doing this. I want to meet more people do more podcasts, do coaching and uh, continue investing and in, in having fun in, in, in business and, and seeing new things. It's, it's, it's a passion. And you know, I love the fact that you never rested on your laurels. You know, you know, you never stayed in a certain lane. You're kind of like a racing car that happy <laughs> across all the lanes in your Ferrari, not caring if you're going to get a speed yeah. ticket, but you're going to yeah. get you're going somewhere. I don't know where, but we're going somewhere. Yeah. We're not going to get any, uh, we won't get any parking tickets, only speeding. <laughs> but but like it's not you know like because i used to have a porsche don't have one now because i've tired but um it's about the journey isn't it oh it's like when you go for a drive in a nice car or, or any car really you might have a set on the destination but actually it's about enjoying the journey especially especially if you're driving a nice car no, exactly. I, I mean, a hundred percent. And that's why I, I, I tried to, and hopefully I did a good job. You, you, everyone, especially with social media and bashing social media, like everyone compares themselves to the next person with this car, that car, like, dude, who cares? Like, like stop. It, it's not important. And, and if you're trying to chase them and get there and I tried that for a period of my life, like you can't car and watch yourself to death. Right. I mean, and it's happiness rather. Um, you just have to enjoy it and have fun and, and like, the, to me, I'm a big experience person like that, that really needs to be there. And then with this journey, when you don't, when you get it out of your head that you have an endpoint, then you get really fun, right? Then it's just like, this is so cool, right? Cause it's a, it's like a roller coaster. You don't know where the next turn is going to come, but it's going to be interesting. And it's probably something you haven't seen before. So um, strap in and, and enjoy and hopefully take the people that you love with you. I love that. And um, I want to ask, a question just before we come to a close because we're coming to time is has your why shifted and and what would you say it is now i mean I, it shifted a ton through my through my career um but but now it's it's um you know in the last few years it, it's been very much kind of family and uh-huh. and trying to be just a better version of myself i still struggle with stuff i'm still far from perfect right um, but just trying to have that gut check of doing the right thing for the right reasons and, you know, trying to be a good friend, a good husband and, and a good father, that's been, you know, the, the biggest piece of my why. And, you know, and, and if I can help people, it, 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 I get that back in, in spades and not always monetarily, I get it back from like 
Hey, you know, like, you know, there's a, um, there's a server at one of my favorite restaurants in town, John, like, in, you know, uh, I'll make sure he actually sees this. Hopefully. Um, he said to me a couple months ago, cause you do all these podcasts, you do all these things and you don't think anyone fucking actually watches them, but I, I guess I got a fair audience and some people actually do. Um, <laughs> and he came up to me, he's like, Mr. Delk. I'm like, don't ever call me Mr. Delk. It's Jeremy. Um, but he's like, I just want to say, I've watched all your YouTube content. I watch everything and just thank you so much. I'm like your inspiration. Like that is everything, everything. So that's my why. Yeah. Do you know, I thank you for sharing that because it you can change someone's life and that person can change a hundred people's lives. And, yeah. and it's that ripple effect, isn't it? it so is. it's not, it's not always about the volume of people that see it. But it's about the impact that you make on those that do. No, for yeah. sure. And, and to to plug a fellow Brit, now this is where I'm on with you. I don't know if um, we just put it on YouTube a couple of days ago, but check it out and, and maybe even put it in show notes or something. Oh, yeah, we'll do, do all of that. Yeah, it's this is for um, it, this a guy I met um, down at Branton's place down in Necker. Um, 10 years ago. His name's Gumption. And I did like a I did like a 30 minute interview, 40 minute interview with him. And it's exactly what you just said. Um, Cause everyone says like, Oh, how do you know Branson or how do you do this? And you know, we're like, cool. Like Branson's astronaut two three one. He's awesome. And don't care. But it's what Branson and Larry page did as a $50,000 investment to change this guy's life. Watch this interview and see who he's touched. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. And, and I think, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, Branson's done so much good. I mean, he, it, it, that, that's never ending, but that's just one impact of one person he touched that I, I yeah, a hundred times he, he's paid yeah. that forward. And it's just amazing. And you never know what, what it could be. So just be nice, right? Just be nice, try and help. And, and that's it. I love that. Well, one piece of advice, Jeremy, would you give to anyone who's struggling as an entrepreneur, given this show's all about brain health and unchaining your pain, what, what one piece of advice would you give to an entrepreneur who's struggling to really find their why to, to take the action that you mentioned was so important? Yeah, I think webbed into the why is what is the thing that you're struggling with wanting to do, right? So um, it's, I want to start a business. I want to, I want to expand my business. I want to go out on my own. I want to do that. Why do you want to do that? And that's when you need to start peeling about the onions. Well, it's because I want to buy a bigger house. Or that's fucking not it. You need to get down to the core and keep peeling that back. It's freedom. It's I want to spend more time. I could, and then, okay, now, once you have that emotional component, like this is what I want and it's, and it's visceral, right? Now that's powerful. You can use that. You can't, ooh, I want a bigger house. Like that's, you can't, you can fake that, but you need like, I want freedom for my kids or my kid has, um, a certain learning disability or helping. I need this medication. I, you need to find that why really lock into it. And then once you're there, then who cares? Well, you fail. Cool. Keep on going, fail again, go through and put your own comfort zones. You don't have to go crazy like me and just go, you know, completely uh, wide open without any, um, you know, on a tight rope without any net, but just make something that's uncomfortable for you to just make one piece. Right. So I want to get uncomfortable and, you know, ask a hundred people for you know feedback on it do it. And then if I get feedback at 70% positive, then that next step, then you have these small little steps that lead to miles and miles and miles of, of progress. But just take the first step that puts you a little uncomfortable, hone in on what's 
why you want to do it, what's your passion about it, and then and then go. And it could not be self. It could be outwardly. Hey, I want to change healthcare. I want to help mental health. I want to, whatever it is that yeah. becomes your passion. Then that's why you're passionate about that. If I don't do this, people are going to suffer. My customers yeah. are happy. It's you're going to create a po- better positive. That needs to be your your why, and 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 then just that one step forward, and yeah. then another, and then another. And I think it's it comes back into that fear factor. Is you've got to get emotionally connected with your why, so that you you fear the consequences of not doing it rather than the the fear of doing it. <laughs> if that right. makes sense, I love that. How can how can people get hold of you and and find out more about what you do? Your book without a plan. Yeah, so uh, out of plan, it's, uh, in, in, in Barnes and Noble, uh, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, bookstores everywhere. Um, I, I'm Jeremy S. Delk on all social medias, um, and then jeremydelk.com. So yeah, reach out. I'm happy to to do consults, coaching, podcasts, you know, business ideas, investment opportunity, whatever you need. Uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to do. I don't manage all my social, but someone always makes sure if I miss something on a on a connection, they're emailing me to me. So I am uh, hopefully I'm, I'm pretty responsive, right? I mean, um. Yeah, you really place. were. Like, I yeah. was really, really surprised. I, yeah. I was going to say shock, which is probably true too, because yeah. yeah. you got that yeah. straight away. It's great. Yeah, and, yeah. And sometimes things fall through the cracks, but I've got a team that helps me out, and I, I'm here. But I want to hear from you, right? And I, and if you think your question is dumb, I promise it's not, because I probably had the same question at a certain point in my life. So, you know, go through, and if if you don't feel like asking me, ask somebody, right? There, there's people out there that want to help, um, and if I can be of service, I'd love to, love to be. So do make sure you check out Jeremy's new book, Without a Plan. I had the privilege to be able to read it early. It was absolutely amazing and so much fun to read. Not, It's not a normal business book that you have to trawl through. It's uh, it, It's got entered, you know, I'm smiling from ear, ear to ear just, <laughs> just thinking about it. Brought up so many memories from my past in so many different ways. I definitely think it's something that everyone can relate to and you can be successful as Jeremy has shown without a plan so do go check that out Jeremy it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining me on my show if there's anything I can do for you or those people that you network with I'd love to stay in touch and get connected and and uh, continue on with uh, going without a plan as we do on this podcast. awesome doc. I really appreciate it doctor thank you so much I really appreciate it. I had such a good time and uh, let's definitely stay in touch Definitely. You're most welcome. Yay! Awesome. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with you. I asked you some tricky questions. I'm sorry about that. No, no, you're good. Yeah, you you, you got me. My my camera guy shaking his head too. I think you fucking you you messed him up too a little bit. But no, it was uh, huh? It's the best one yet. It's the best one yet. There you go. That's pretty good. It's the best one yet. Thank you. No, because he likes me like it. Because like sometimes I'm saying the same stuff. Like you know, like not saying it's business crap, right? But it's like just regular business stuff. So I think he always likes me to get uh get um more emotional like that so you, you you got me there those are really they were really good questions they were oh thank you you're most welcome and i'm pleased <laughs> i'm pleased it was the best one yet yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so 